Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. How are you? I'm fucking fucked. I am exhausted. My brain is exhausted. My body is exhausted. I am fed up. I cannot handle the news cycle anymore. I cannot handle how long everything is taking to open up. I cannot handle the pressure of the world. Um, and I just, so much is happening in my personal life right now. Everything is just sort of like being uprooted and moved around. And this time is just increasingly stressful. Everyone is under so much pressure. It's okay if you're just not good vibes. You know, we've spoken about it before on this podcast, Dr. Deepika Chopra, this good vibes only shit, toxic, toxic, nonsense, nonsense, toxic bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> I am. I'm just having a day. I'm having a I'm having a week. I'm having a year. And if you are as well, that is fine. That is fucking fine. Sometimes it is just all too much and you don't have to blast positivity at everyone around you. Sometimes it's really liberating just to say fuck it, just throw it all in the fuck it bucket. So that's where I am today. If you need to send me anything, that is my PO box. Fuck it bucket 90049. <laughs> Um, anyway, I thankfully have a really chipper, happy, fun, energizing, excellent guest on today's podcast. You're not going to have to put up with this guy too much. I have invited the absolutely exceptional Michelle Buteau onto this show. She is a stand-up comedian. She is an actress, a podcast host, a TV host. She's hysterical and super relatable, super open, and talked to me about so many things across the span of her life. She's made it, quote-unquote, you know, become uh, internationally successful at a later time in life, and that's given her space to live a real life before getting to where she's at now. So often people who uh, make it younger in this industry, they suffer arrested development. I, even me starting at 22, I feel like there's so many things that I didn't get to do and get to experience that, that hindered my growth as an adult, as a human. And so she's lived this wild life and told me so many stories about her journey towards stand-up, all the different careers she's had, being fat-shamed by a teacher, you know, who told her that she was too fat to ever be in front of the camera. Well, she's in front of the camera now and she's killing it. You can watch her Netflix special, Butopia. Uh, she's in First Wives Club. She's just a hysterical human being. We also talk a lot in depth about motherhood and she gives the real 
on motherhood. She's not sitting here trying to coerce me into one day becoming a mother by telling me that it's just it's just the best thing you'll ever do. And I'm not saying it isn't, but can we just not good vibes only parenthood as well? Because I think it's dangerous. Um, and so she's very, very frank about that. She talks a lot about her surrogacy journey, which is incredibly interesting and so not spoken about enough. And I really, really, really feel so grateful to her for coming on and, and telling us so much about that journey, about the whole ride of it, how you feel, what you fear, what it feels like. And obviously these things are always individual experiences, but there's just something so warm and easily relatable about Michelle. I just fell madly in love with her. I'd never met her before uh, seeing her on this podcast and she uh, she just blew me away. She's had an extraordinary ride. And so I hope that this episode makes you feel heard. I hope it makes you feel seen. I hope it makes you laugh because she's funny as hell. And I hope that it motivates you to create your own path the way that she has done. That's the thing that kind of runs throughout this entire podcast episode, the fact that she has this really firm sense of self and it's very inspiring because you know things have not always been easier for her in this industry being a woman who is not as you know a size zero also being a black woman in this industry in a time before recently where it was acceptable to allow black women into mainstream media she's had quite a quite a challenging environment to have to stay so sturdy throughout and she talks me through that process and I found it incredibly inspiring and it made me want to take more control of my life and so I can't wait to hear what you think about it please message me as you always do I love receiving your messages and hearing what you think and how you feel and how these episodes maybe change your mind on certain things this is the exceptional Michelle Biteau Michelle Bloody Bateau, welcome to I Way. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, boo. How the fuck is you? I am all right. But then again, I don't have twins in a pandemic. How are you? <laughs> look, look, I'm, I'm, what a loaded question. How am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to go so deep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people always, when they do that little like elevator chit chat, how you do it, it's like, fine, fine, fine. Oh, that line outside. Right. But now I'm just like, how much time do you have? Because look, you know, just for me, I didn't even know that sciatica was a real thing. What is that? Um, What's sciatica? Sciatica is like the this this muscle thing in your back that uh, travels down your spine to your legs, and it's like cascading pain. And it it's it all stems from stress. And I just thought I was a, like a tired mom in her forties, but then I realized, sort of like when you, I'm just getting into it now. Do it. You know how you um grind your teeth. Yeah. It's sort of like that, but for your spine, which is real fun. You're grinding your spine is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm grinding all of it. It's Fuck. not fun. So are you just in pain all the time or is this like a nighttime thing? Are you sleeping? Who knows? I'm just in a tunnel of what the fuck. So I don't know what I'm doing, but I, you know, I'm taking a lot of pictures and videos to document um, 
that were here. And sometimes I look back at them. I'm like, that was a good day. We had fun that time. So yeah, I'm sleeping, but it mostly feels like I'm sleepwalking. Yeah. I mean, that's being a mom. How old are your kids now? They're two. Two years old. (laughs) Fucking hell. You've done almost a year and a half of that in a pandemic. Half of their life has been in a pandemic. And, uh, you know, it really just feels like a big titty um, house on the prairie. You know, (laughs) we are just, (laughs) you know, if you would have talked to me a year and a half ago, I'm like, organic everything. I'll make applesauce. And now I'm just like, did we go to Costco? Do we have any more? Is it in plastic? Sorry, Earth. (laughs) Are they too young for weed? (laughs) Um, the answer is yes. I found out the hard way. I'm just kidding. Don't come for me, everybody. Um, but I'm not. I'm not. I've learned how to control that. So that's nice. Or at least time it out properly. I'm excited for you. Fucking <laughs> hell. You. So, okay. So still married post-pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a choice. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and. And you're, you know, you're still here. You're still smiling. You're still feeling good. I want to talk to you about a million things. I think you're such a fascinating woman. You've had such an interesting and varied career. And I think before we get into talking about kid stuff, because there's so much, you have so much interesting and hilarious insight into the world of motherhood that I, as someone who has not had children, who doesn't know if I want to have children, who becomes increasingly terrified with every year into my 30s of having children, uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about all of that. But first, can we talk a bit about your career? So sure. you are an actress, you are a writer, you are a stand-up comedian, you you are now one of the more famous stand-ups in the world. Um, but you started fairly late in life, f- you know, for a woman. For a woman. Yeah. It's late yeah. in life. Perfectly normal for the Kevin Spacey's <laughs> of this world. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Burn that house full of cards. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if my story is common or uncommon. I mean, um, you know, I always wanted to sort of work in entertainment, but I didn't know how. I just knew I wanted to be creative and that I had a good work ethic. And um, I also read that you had a, a professor or a teacher at school who told you that you were too fat to be in front of the camera when you wanted to be like a TV host. Yeah, he, he definitely told me that in front of the class. And I didn't even <gasps> know what embarrassment was, but I remember looking back on it that like my body felt hot from head to toe, but I was 18, 19. I didn't, you know, I was taught to respect my elders and not question authority. And I was still too shy to, you know, like, I'm not like, I wasn't Amanda Seals back then. I'm still not Amanda Seals. You know what I mean? I'm not like, excuse me, you know, she comes up on this podcast quite a lot. People bring her up as an example of someone with (laughs) tremendous strength and feist. And I think it's really good. Look, look, I'm here for everybody wants an Amanda in her corner, or at least like a dollop of that, you know, like the Susanna Sugarbaker of Designing Women. I am aging myself. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just went to work in TV production and I told him I want to be a journalist because we were going around saying what we want to do in this uh, industry. He said I was too fat to be on camera. Didn't question him because the way I was raised. Also, to his point, nobody looked like me. Um, and if they did, it was like a thing. It was like Oprah and that was it. And it was like, weight was 
everything you know um yeah that was a lot of the dialogue around oprah even at the time like throughout her career it was weight gain weight loss i used this to lose weight i used this to lose weight like it was just that was a big part of the narrative obviously also so much tremendous and amazing empowering work for uh, people when it came to mental health or domestic violence but there was so much weight loss talk not just from her but from the media about her it was an obsession it was and i didn't realize so much later in life that um, nobody was used to somebody just exposing themselves, especially when it came to trauma like that. And it was really powerful. It was like taking black and night. It was just like how people talk about your family, like, oh, you can't say it, but I can. So what else are you going to say about me? Because I'm owning everything. I'm like, well, that's fascinating. But I didn't even think I was fat. You know, Mm -hmm. I just thought I was me. I look like all the other women in my family and more than half the women in Miami. And I just thought everybody was the thickums, you know? Um, That's great I, I didn't word. realize that they were like, thickums. You know, <laughs> meaty. You got the meat. You know? You got the yeah. good piece of the, of the uh, rotisserie chicken. Yeah. And so <laughs> I didn't realize that there was like these definite boxes and categories, especially in Hollywood, where it's just like, are you going to be fat or skinny? Those are your choices. Are you going to be the character or the leading lady? Like, that's it. There's no healthy medium in between. It's just like, you know, what, what part of the People magazine before or after picture are you going to represent? And so I didn't even understand what he was saying. And I didn't see anyone like me. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just work in production. And so I was an editor and field producer for... A long time. And I really got tired of just like editing basic people, beautiful people with no personality, spirit, or even opinion. I'm like, what do you think? Well, what do you think I should think? (laughs) You know what I mean? It was like that coming to America scene where people are like, whatever you like. Yeah. And I'm like, why can't we just have opinions and, and feel things and real conversations, even if it's a four minute segment? Can you not be real in four minutes? I'm still a little bit upset about the teacher. I'm still, I'm still a little bit upset because I know that that happens all the time. It's happened mm-hmm. to me. It's happened to so many of my friends that these figures of authority can just say this one sentence and yeah. it can just change someone's trajectory. You found yeah. your way back to the light or to the the limelight or, you know, center stage where you belong. But most people don't. Most people take that as a, oh, okay, right. Well, I've been told that's not for me. So I don't want to humiliate myself by now defying this advice and trying to go up for it anyway. I've been like, my hope has been taken away because at best you have hope and a prayer that you're going to be successful at whatever it is that you want. And so if someone just removes that like fragment of hope in the first place, then yeah. what the fuck are you going to do? How are you supposed to carry on? Not everyone is a sturdy. Yeah, I know. I Like, look, especially in this industry and life in general is full of um, rejection. Mm-hmm. And it's full of so much rejection that some people don't even need uh, someone, an authority someone who is in a position of power to tell them that they're not even good enough. They'll just automatically believe it. And that'll be their narrative before even somebody says it, you know? Yeah. Like I always say my most talented friends are just in a corner, second guessing themselves. 
<laughs> and like the basic bitches are just out there super confident, you know, hiring someone like that. It's sort of like the lead singer that can't sing. And then like all their backup dancers are singers are amazing. And you're like, how did that even happen? Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I'm just like a big fan of faking it till you make it, because if you can at least pretend to be the version of yourself that you always wanted to be, then at some point you'll start being that person. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad he said it. And I'm also just like, fuck him because where could I have been in life? Who knows? But I do appreciate a slow simmer and having all the tools in my arsenal to back up whatever I need at, you know, in any situation, um, you know, all the time. Cause I feel like there's nothing you can't put me any, I can go anywhere is what I'm trying to say. Cause I feel like I've seen it all. Yeah. And, and you, uh, you and I, when we were talking earlier, we were talking about the fact that even though maybe that set you off course for a while and you started editing. And I also read that you were editing like footage of nine 11, which was so yeah, traumatic was so for you. Just that was so, yeah, hours that was and hours and hours of the worst possible footage on earth. Um, but you know, even though it pushed you off course, you, you found your way back at an age where you were probably more stable and able to handle this industry. Cause it's a fuck, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm really glad that when I got to America, I was in my thirties. Like when, right. when, when things kicked off for me the way that they have, and I'm no, no Bieber. I don't know if you noticed, I'm, I'm not Justin Bieber. Um, but with it, even, <laughs> even this is a lot to manage. I don't know how mm-hmm. these kids cope with that kind of level of success. But does a part of you feel like, oh, you know what? This has all come around at the right time. And I have actually had a chance to live, had a chance to make a lot of my, you know, sort of big decisions or big mistakes in privacy. And now that I have this big profile, I'm a real grown up. I mean, shit. Do I have a big profile? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're you're coming up. You're coming up on this bitch. okay. Okay. I'm coming up on this bitch. Oh, I'll take it. What's your experience been like in your years of the industry? You kind of started stand up not long after 9-11 and that was kind of your first entry into that world. So it's been yeah. a minute now. How's it been for you? Um, I feel like I've, I feel like I've been um, entertained and frustrated at the same time. Like there's always this level of like, frustration that happens you know what i mean where it's like oh these comedy clubs aren't putting these people up or these women up or i have to take this bitch spot or um you know why what do you mean i have to take this bitch as in like you you're going to have to compete with someone what does that mean i mean comedy is sort of just like being a black person in a sitcom there's only room for one. Mm-hmm. And again, it just goes back to like the patriarchal standards of everybody of them pitting us against each other, mm-hmm. you know? So for, and it's changed a lot now, but when I started, it was the one female on a show. And every time somebody introduced you, it's like, we're going to change it up. It's going to be really different. It's a woman. <laughs> it's like, this, you know, I'm a woman. Just say my name. And so, you know, even auditioning for shows, it's like when they say open ethnicity, you're like, okay, so that you're just assuming everyone's white and we're just like, 
you know, the ethnic friend. Okay. And then you roll up and you see like all different types of nationalities. And you're like, I don't know what neighborhood this is going to be, but we're about to find out. And then there's like the black girl auditions where that just feels like Oprah's book club. And everyone's like in a prayer circle, exchanging recipes. And that's really fun too, just to see people. But there's always this thing that happens no matter what, especially in black girl auditions, where it's just like, if one of us makes it, all of us makes it because our brown titties are some sort of like proven concept. Like, well, if that one's funny, this one's funny. Like, I think... Like monolithic brown titties. <laughs> it is now. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, I think the industry is finally realizing, especially after a year of quarantine and white guilt after BLM, that <laughs> we are different. <laughs> um, we are different people. We're not all from the same family reunion with the t-shirts in Tennessee. Thank you very much. I actually wanted to ask you about the Black girl auditions, about mm-hmm. the roles that Black women have often been allowed to play. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then a further layer of if you are a curvaceous Black woman, always hyper, hypersexual or hyper aggressive. There is a kind of a stereotype that we watch throughout uh, the last 20 years of Hollywood of, of, of where, where it's a predominantly white production and with white stars and the the token, and I sure as shit feel this way with South Asians, where we play a very like firm stereotype of the mm-hmm. cab driver, the pharmacist, never the love interest. No one's ever having sex with us. We're never getting fucked on camera ever, uh, mm. <laughs> or off camera, because uh, because of the are, stereotypes like of on camera. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, and so, so <laughs> what has been the trajectory of the roles you've read? Do you feel as though? when back in the day you were first auditioning, it was very much so one kind of thing they were looking for, one note. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean... What was that note? Oh, it was the sassy tell like it is black girl. And they wouldn't even say black girl after a while or African-American. They just say, really sure of herself. Tell it like it is. And I would get that note too sometimes. It's like, you could sass it up if you want. It's just like, no, this is where, she, this is where I'm at. This is where she's at. You know what I mean? Um... And I always, and thank God for comedy because it's really saved me in so many situations, maybe every situation. I'm just like, this is what's funny. This is what's funny to me. This is how I feel like she would say it. This is how I would say it. You know, I I don't know what to tell you because again, I don't fall into the category of let's put a crop top on her and like fetishize her. I'm the... um, I am the best friend at brunch where you're going to tell me about like the night you've had. And I'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, girl, really? So that's like sort of the the stuff that I used to go out for. But I think now more than ever, you know, um, because we um, can control the narrative a bit more, we can create our own shit. There's just a lot more outlets for us to sort of um, drop our work on that, you know, it, it's like, do you? I was wondering, how do you feel? Like, considering how it started with you being told to not even bother because of your size. Yeah. To now being in a business that scrutinizes women so intensely and constantly. How do you feel? Isn't that fucking, isn't that fucking wild? I mean, I've been, I don't think I'll ever not be struggling with my weight. That has just been me since the fifth grade. I remember my cousin was telling me like, you were the only 10 year old I knew like doing slim fast and push-ups and sit-ups. And I'm like, I did, didn't even remember that. And that's why I wrote the book Survival of the Thickest because it's just like, what happens if you just love on yourself? Whatever 
she looks like? Like, what happens if you just fucking love on yourself and and try to ignore everybody and just try to be the most healthiest version of yourself? So for me, having a mom who was teeny tiny petite with big titties and a dad who was always in shape, even at 81, he exercises every day and they're very health conscious. That's but- annoying. That's annoying. That's a, that's a little bit annoying. <laughs> your dad, I'm a little I, bit annoyed with your dad. <laughs> I love Fuck him because he's still here. <laughs> no, I, I know, know he's joking. got his little waves and stuff. I'm and sometimes joking. if he squats too much, he farts. It's so adorable. But like, for me, it's inspiring to be like, okay, like, look, I still want these knees to work so I can pick up grandchildren and stuff. So, like, you know, it hasn't ever been about being a size. Um, yeah, that I, the industry I, proves it's like about being healthy. And so it, like always, I, by the time I entered standup, the reason why I got into standup actually is because, well, people told me I should do standup because I'm funny. And I was just like, what? But I like making money and standups feel broke. And, um, <laughs> and then I also got into standup, I believe, um, because it didn't matter what I looked like. You know, we're sort of like the dark horse of the industry where it's just like, you can you know, be a freak and a geek and that's okay. And then when I started auditioning for TV stuff, I was like, oh, oh well, this is different. But I had um, edited and produced so many um, journalists who were always beating themselves up, who were just like, oh, three bites of mac and cheese. I got to go run yeah. this off. And I was like, I don't ever want to put that on myself. I've done it um, in high school and college. And it's just like, why didn't I enjoy my fucking birthday cake? Looking at these pictures. That's crazy. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a happy person. I'm, I want to be happy inside. Like I love complaining about shit, but I'm happy. So I'm like, why am I denying myself that? Especially if I'm funnier than this bitch, I, like just stop. I remember snapping on my, I think maybe like my 19th birthday party. I denied myself of birthday cakes since I was 12 and oh I wouldn't even, I wouldn't touch it. Uh, I was so, so scared of food by that age. And I was like, similarly to you, like doing sit-ups and drinking slim fast and doing all that different shit when I was a child. Mm. Like like yeah. the cup of soup, which is basically just like piss with leaves in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, and then on my, on my 19th birthday, I, yeah. uh, I remember like my mother got me my, my favorite cake, which is strawberries and cream cake. Um, gluten-free, if anyone out there wants to send me any, that's just letting you know. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, so she gets me this, <laughs> this giant cake and she, uh, she cuts it into little pieces. Uh, so I can go and give it over to the people who work at my video store where I'd used to work to where all my friends were. And so I was like, okay. And so she, you know, puts it each like slice in individual foil wrapping. And she, uh, she has put everyone's name on it and she puts it all in a bag. And I I take it in the bag and I I march down towards the video store and she's watching me out the window because the video store is opposite the road from her bedroom. Um, And then there's a tree. There's a tree that you have to get past to get to the video store. And once I pass that tree, I'm no longer in her sight. Mm-hmm. So I decide maybe I won't go into the video store today. Maybe I won't share this cake with anybody. Maybe I'll just keep walking past the tree. Maybe I'll walk down to the nearest cemetery. Maybe I'll go sit in that cemetery by myself on my birthday at 19 and ate the entire fucking cake. Piece by piece 
by piece, a giant 24-inch <laughs> cake. Uh, and you just, until like, I almost unwrapped it individually? One like, by one by one. A new package of prosciutto? Uh, just like, 100%. <laughs> just, yep. Fold it, lick it, fold it up, start on the next. Don't even know why I'm telling you this story. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm here for you it. You brought up birthday cake and it reminded <laughs> me true. of something. It's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. have a, an issue with the not an issue with you saying it, you can say whatever the fuck you like um you're michelle fucking buteau but uh <laughs> but the term struggling with your weight i think is such a problematic sentence for us to have sure. in our heads of like of, of it's been it's been normalized as a sentence that means that we're in this push and pull are we in mm -hmm. this push and pull with our bodies really or are we also in this push and pull with what society told us to do with our bodies and then how that fucked sure. our metabolisms and how it also fucked our idea of what is health what is good uh it's just a it's just a thing that i i want us all to be aware of when we use the terminology no, yeah. you brought up a really you bring up a really good point because i remember even at thanksgiving i had an aunt who would when i would go back for another piece of pie would just like grab my gut so many people in my life have grabbed my gut 
my back fat and my chin. And mm-hmm. they're like, are you sure you want it? Even up until a year ago, I was filming a travel show. Um, and uh, I guess he was a showrunner. I'm not sure who he was, but he grabbed my chin <gasps> and he goes, what are we going to do about this? Uh, are you fucking and kidding me? I'm not. I'm not. He got fired because I... Cause it was like a female led show and he was like one of three guys and I'm the host. And so I'm just like, <sighs> I said, it might cut your dick off <laughs> and feed it to you because like, how dare you? And then you get to touch this chin. So like struggle also is under the umbrella of, I can't believe anyone put struggling with other, uh, sorry. other people. I can't believe someone put their hands on you in oh, 2020. One thing is aunts you, and uncles, like when we're kids, they're going to, this is just you and I both come from ethnic minority families where people just feel like they have fucking ownership over, like we are all just mm-hmm. one. Our DNA mm-hmm. is the same, therefore we're entitled to each other. I don't agree with that, but that is just the thing. But a fucking, in 2020, a producer grabbed your double chin and said, what are we going to do about this? Yes. Yes. And I was like, and it was so... It was like one of those things that happened fast and slow at the same time, like an emotional car wreck. And so I'm, I am so used to it, especially big hair, freckles, friendly. People feel like they know you after a couple of days Yeah. where I'm just like, absolutely not. So for me, I'm not going to even have the conversation with them. You're going to get fired and then you're going to double tap the next job that I do. And that shit sort of drives me too, where I'm just like, oh, you think I need to do this in order to have that? No. Like... I'm going to do this no matter what, the way I want to do it, the way I see fit. So under the word struggle comes that too, where it constantly feels like I'm struggling with people Mm -hmm. who are just like, what are we going to do about it? It's just like, bitch, she already got the job. (laughs) What do you mean we're going to do about it? Like, you know, move on. And so what, again, what I really like about comedy, which which saves me is like, um, Comedy, um, there's this thing with acting and hosting where it's just like, but are they fuckable? Mm-hmm. Do people want to aspire to be them? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But with comedy, most of the time at least is, are they funny or not? And I know I'm funny, so I trust in that. And that's why, you know, you have to know your power and your worth, which is the only things I will be telling my kids. On the first day of daycare. You've brought that philosophy into your on-screen work of like, it is not important. It is not important if I am deemed fuckable or not. You're also fucking gorgeous, by the way. And I'm not going to sexually <laughs> harass you on my own Iway podcast, but just saying. Um, but also I think it's great that you have been able to bring that, like, the, am I funny? I think that was a big decision for me in America. Like after spending so many years being told by TV producers, like, you're not funny. You know, you're not gonna, we don't need to hear you talk. Like we need to see the way that you look and like you're a fashion girl and everyone wants to see you in the short skirts and like girls want to be you, girls want to look like you. And mm. I was denied the chance to even try to be funny or to try and do the comedy bits. Anyway, I am I am thrilled to see that you are continuing to find peace and your own place and your own way of doing things. I love that you got that showrunner fired. I think that that's great. That galvanizes me to do the same the same thing when people body shame yeah. me. Yeah. We're good people and and we're good people, we're talented, we're easy to work with. So 
why would anyone ever try to bring something up? I make us feel bad. Then you're you're just toxic. You know, we want to create, and we should all be wanting to create positive work environments where everybody wants to be their best and do their best and inspire other people to do the same. And that's how we all get on board and create amazing content. And, you know, I've always been attracted to those types of sets. And, you know, one of my favorite um, things that I worked on was always be my maybe with um, Ali Wong mm. and Randall Park and Anash Khan who um, directed it because they all felt this need to sort of um represent um asian men um in a different light you know mm-hmm. and the, and when and when Ali's is like every guy that i'm attracted to in this movie will be asian because you don't see that mm-hmm. and i'm like yes bitch and so just even um you know and it seems like a little thing to say, or for some people, but it really makes such a difference. You know, diversity is fucking everything. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I I love your contribution. I also love that film and uh, oh, the comeback of Keanu. Thank you, thank you <laughs> from all from all women around the world. Um, can we talk about uh, being a mum? Because you're a mum and you have been yes. so hilarious and vocal about it uh, in the past and on stage. And I'm just so so curious. Would you find that terribly boring or would you would you mind talking to me about it? Oh my God. No, I would love to. So first of all, you had an, a, a less traditional journey to motherhood in that you mm-hmm. uh, took the path of surrogacy and that subject has come up a few times on this podcast in the last year. And whenever it does, we mm-hmm. kind of just touch on it and I get this huge influx of, of women or people who are writing to me about it, especially LGBTQ couples who want to understand more about surrogacy. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's still a very stigmatized subject that we don't talk about a lot. And so mm-hmm. therefore there isn't a lot of information and therefore people feel embarrassed to even ask or don't know where to look. And so could you Mm -hmm. tell me a bit about your surrogacy journey? Sure. Um, You know, I didn't know that much about surrogacy either um, until um, I had to. And I say that I had to because my desire was so strong to become a mom. I knew that these souls were floating out there. I just had to meet them. And I'm so glad I finally did. Um, so I did five years of IVF because I have a a benign mass in my brain, um, that causes my body to think it's pregnant. So I was like a science project for a couple of years trying to get levels right. That's got a name. It's prolacto. Yeah. Prolactinoma. Prolactinoma. That's it. And it it convinces your body. So you have symptoms of pregnancy, right? But you're not pregnant. You do, which is real fun. So it's just like a lot of weight gain. Yeah. Hormonal nonsense and no baby. So that was a mind fuck for sure. Comedy saved me. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, my husband would be like, are you okay? Do you have to go to LA? Do you have to go to Ohio? Do you have to do this? Do you have to do that? And I'm like, I need a sense of normalcy and this feels good. And that's actually when I started really booking stuff because I didn't give a fuck. And I started crying at the end of like, every audition or show that I did. I'm like, you guys are enough, you know? And it was just like this weird place of like, just saying whatever I want. I'm like, I'm going to improv this take. 
and then cry laugh at the same time. Oh, it was a. Am- I remember like. Is this because you were pumped full of hormones? Is that why? Yes, I was pumped full of hormones, right. and plus, like my body already thought it was pregnant, so we were messy. But and you're shagging all the time, right? During the during, are you shagging all the time, or are you not shagging all the time? Got, you have to. There are cycles uh, of shagging. Yeah, you have to figure out like the right time. But it's not even about the shagging, really. It's about, um, it's about, because at some point, like, they take his DNA mm-hmm. and mix it with mine and then put it back in me. Got it. You know, so there is that level of IVF where, you know, you can try and do it. I think it's IUI, actually. Actually, I think IUI still wins like a turkey baster. But the point is, you had options. <laughs> okay. You had options. Yeah. But, um... Essentially, it didn't work out. I think it was four miscarriages in five years. And I was just done. And my husband was like really tired of picking me up off the floor. And he's like, I really miss my wife. And I missed myself too. I mean, I was bloated and sad and um, still had this like weird fight in me to keep going, but just didn't know what direction to go into sort of like that horror movie where the girl's running through the forest. She's like, where do, is that a light? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. you just don't, you're just like, where is it? Is that the way? And so when my doctor introduced surrogacy to me, I, I didn't know anything about it. I was still sad, still grieving. Um, the whole chapter of just like, I guess this won't happen for me. And then a flood of emotions come in with surrogacy as well, which is like, um, who is this? person going to be. Um, it's still all the same anxiety, but now just you're just like way more out of control. Um, but then my friend Jordan Carlos always reminds me that sometimes there could be a happy ending and sometimes there is. So I like held on to that a lot. So for surrogacy... And it's also like a shame that comes for some women with surrogacy of, oh, my body couldn't do this. Yeah. I Yeah, I was kind of... Um, already over that hump of shame because being Caribbean and then going through IVF, it's already like, what's wrong with you? Right. So the fact that I even had to go to some sort of alternative, go through some alternative method, it was just like, maybe you should lose weight. My favorite. I'm like, are you a doctor? Maybe you shouldn't work as much. Like all these people had all these opinions except for the doctor who just had facts. So how about everybody back the fuck up? Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not talking to my uncles about all their um, dick stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All their children that they have that they're not paying for. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not bringing it up at all. So why are you bringing up my shit? So, um, (laughs) so the surrogacy of it all was like, fucking fascinating because as I learned more about it, um, I realized that there are um, these women who are surrogates and surrogacy agencies who, agents who um, are probably like either a first time surrogate or fifth time surrogate or someone that needed a surrogate a long time ago. And they just decided to work in this field to protect people because obviously, um, People can get greedy and things can happen and stuff can go wrong. But I realized that these surrogates really find being pregnant euphoric. They can do it quite naturally. 
They want nothing more than to help someone with their family. People can't understand it because it is a good thing. And they're just sort of like these walking angels on earth. And so once I started to wrap my mind around it, I'm like, okay, maybe this is the thing. But what sucked is that at the time, surrogacy was not legal in New York. Um, It was only legal in, I think, seven to 10 states. And the closest state was Pennsylvania. So I, at the time, felt like my body failed me. Um, Health insurance failed me because everything was out of pocket. Because God forbid, if you're a woman and need help getting pregnant. You've described being female as a pre-existing condition before, which I think is fucking hysterical. It's true. It's just like, if you have opinions and a hole between your legs, it's like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. Let's control you by at any cost. So, um, yeah, I felt like my state had also failed me. You know, I'm like in New York where, you know, we think we are progressive, but look at this shit, you know, surrogacy is not legal unless you're related to the person. And my cousins are useless. So my husband and I would, (laughs) that's okay. They don't even know how to work the internet. They'll never listen to this. Um, Um, Look, I I also know that there's a lot of misinformation out there about surrogacy and that made people really afraid and a lot of people felt like it was exploitative. I personally know a lot of people who have been surrogates who were just like mums who have two or three kids they don't want anymore, but they love being pregnant and they could Mm -hmm. do with the money or they want to Mm -hmm. give the gift of motherhood to someone else because they're obsessed with motherhood. I know plenty of people who do it and, and any industry has the power to become exploitative. And I think it's just on all of us to make sure that we keep those angelic human beings as safe as possible. Agreed. Um, I went on Wendy Williams a year ago to promote something and Andy um, Cohen saw my interview and he reached out to me and he's like, look, I've been stomping for surrogacy, gestational surrogacy to get passed in New York for over a year now. It's in the budget, but it keeps coming up as like, it's a gay issue. It's a rich person's issue. And I've like heard of all those things too, because people have fucking opinions. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me if I would go lobby with him in Albany. And I did. And it was fascinating. It was, I mean, my heart broke and, and was mended like maybe 16 times in that one day, the stories of these people that would stop at nothing to just have a family was, um, I mean, there's really no word for it. I mean, one, I think one woman had like 10 miscarriages and finally found her person, her surrogate. Um, another woman shared a story about how her surrogate in, uh, Utah, um, gave birth to their son, like a couple months early and he was stillborn. And because they were so far away and they were in New Jersey and, 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 the surrogate was in Utah. Like they never got a chance to say, to meet there. It was just so, there was so, and it wasn't, it was everybody, you know, it wasn't just rich people. I mean, it's, it, everything in America feels like it's supposed to be a luxury when it should be a right. You know, like the way my friends are talking about vaccines, it's like prohibition. It's like, no, we should all have access to a vaccine if we want one, but that's a whole other story for another time. But I remember this, woman, she was in her late twenties, maybe early thirties. 
She was a breast cancer survivor. She had collected some eggs and her mission was to be the first, um, the first woman to have a baby through surrogacy in New York. And I really hope that happens for her. Um, because they just made it legal, which is amazing. But um, the stories were just, I mean, I've n- I don't think I've cried that much. Uh, not even watching A Star is Born by myself on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I actually now have that visual. Um, I, I think that, I think that's amazing that you are, that you A, were able to be able to do that, but B, that you talk about it so openly and publicly because it's the only way to destigmatize it, both for the people who need surrogates and for the surrogates themselves, who sometimes also get judged and treated as though they don't know what they're doing. And a lot of them do. And a lot of them find so much purpose and love in it. I've got a best friend who is desperate to be a surrogate because uh, she has very, very severe ADHD, severe, severe ADHD. And she can't take medication for it because the medication is quite speedy and it, it creates like other mental health symptoms for her. So when she's pregnant, the entire time she's pregnant and for six months after the pregnancy, for some reason, her brain just takes her ADHD away and she's able, because your brain, your body knows you need to focus on this one massive task. Mm-hmm, and so she's mm-hmm. just got a silent mind and she's able to work and able to leave, like li- live, leave the house and concentrate and live properly. So she fucking loves it. She'd be pregnant all the time if she could, but she also doesn't have the money or space in her house or desire right, to right. keep all of those children and raise all of those children. And so there are, there are plenty of different reasons. And so... How has the journey of surrogacy now been now that you've done it? Um, I know that you're close with your surrogate and you send her pictures and thank her all the yeah, time for being an angel. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, you get to sort of decide how much you want to be involved or not with your surrogate. Because for me, I believe in chosen family, extended family. These people are in your lives for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you might be close to them this one year, then the next or 10 years later, whatever it is. But, um, it's like, it's, it never, it's never going to end. It's never going to not be a conversation because even walking out with the twins, people want to know how my pregnancy was on a plane. And I'm just like expensive. Do you have time? You know, so (laughs) there's always that, or I'm a twin. How did it go? Or, you know, I'm going to have to have the conversation, the conversation with them when they're older, um, about, uh, surrogacy. And, uh, I remember, uh, the agent was like, take a lot of pictures of you and your surrogate together, especially when her belly pops, because daughters, for some reason, always want to see what their mom looked like when they were pregnant. And, you know, um, I was sad about it for maybe 10 minutes. And then I was like, I'm so, I have to keep reminding myself, I'm so glad they're going to be here. I'm so glad they're here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad we're here together. So, you know, I think it's really easy to get caught up in the, why not me? But it's so much more beautiful to get caught up in the, wow, I'm so overwhelmed because I have all this really cool kid stuff to do. Was bonding, was bonding difficult? With with your twins, like was it was it difficult to bond when you haven't been you know growing them inside of you? For me, no. I, what was difficult for me because they were twins was, um, and I and I want to say a lot of perhaps 
people with twins or even newborns, you feel like you need, you feel like you want to bond more with them, but it's just a lot. You're just, you're just working like a crazy shift at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like hamburgers. It's like, get them fed, get them changed, get them sleeping, get them awake, blah, blah, blah. So you feel like you're just doing a bunch of shit. You're a PA. Like, blah, blah. Yeah. Yes. And then when they smile at you or like look like you or like do something, blah, 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 whatever, then it's just like, oh, shit. But um, that was my experience. But the minute I held them, I just folded like not a fitted sheet, the top one, because that's easier to fold. Just hold it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, but I must, but I love easily. Like if I see a baby and someone's like doing something rough in front of it or like just you're like dancing or backing, I'm like, I'm that bitch. I'm just like, back up. Like I would be that bitch in college or in my 20s at a club when obviously some guy was just like too rough with the girls. It's like, I want to dance. And she's like, I said, no. He's like, come on, let's dance. I'm like, the woman said no. You know, just like a big titty Superman. (laughs) Big titty Liam Neeson. I think that's (laughs) fucking great. (laughs) Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. open about motherhood in a way that I find really fucking refreshing and I I watch a lot of your stuff on it and I I find you very very funny and charming obviously but I also find you a breath of fresh air because you speak about it in such a real way and I feel as though because I'm in my 30s now I'm getting so yeah. much pressure from uh friends of mine also I just want to um bring up something I'm that you spoke about that was really interesting about during the journey to trying to get pregnant, you had to distance yourself for a while from your friends who are being able to get pregnant. You've spoken about that before and and that that's okay. And that if you need to do that just to protect your brain, you're not a bad person. But uh, it was heartbreaking reading about the fact that when you would get pregnant at the same time as a friend and you would miscarry and they wouldn't, you would always have that thing in your mind when you would see their child of like, oh, mine would have been that age. And so you just had to step back. Yeah, that never, I don't think that'll ever go away. You know, everyone is different. But for me, a miscarriage just feels like um, you're always reminded, you know, you're like, oh, they would have been 18. Oh, they would have been 16. Oh, they would have been doing this. They're just like, um, there's still a piece of you, you know, that, for whatever reason, um, it wasn't the right time. Yeah. But I think again, like I have this platform I could talk to, 
to talk to people on, right? I have all these friends. I have all these family members. I still felt really lonely. I have a really great partner who's down to talk about anything at any time. Still felt really lonely. And if I feel, if I felt lonely, I'm just like, how the fuck are other people feeling mm-hmm. that don't even have this platform or this like access lifestyle? Yeah. We are meant to feel guilty if we are trying to have a kid and it's not happening. We're meant to feel guilty if we don't ever want a kid. I mean, there are so many different reasons as a woman why we can beat ourselves up. But what we need to do is just give ourselves more permission to feel whatever the fuck we want to feel. And for me, I just, I'm a person who likes to be happy for people. And at that moment, I was like, I can't look at you in your pregnant belly. And and all these like ironic pregnancy photo shoots you're doing is just really too much for me. Yeah. Even walking down the aisle at Target um, with the baby uh, stuff, I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And, and, and it really helps. It really helped. And I've had friends who are still reaching out who are mad at me. They're like, how come I had to find out you had kids um, over Instagram? And I'm like, well, that's the type of friend you are now. Bye. Oof. Fair enough. I'm very, I'm very uh, protective of my own mental health. So I have, uh, I just rarely ever hear anyone else uh, exhibit similar uh, self-preservation. I don't want to use the word ruthlessness. I think it's self-preservation. I think that's really important. So, so, you know, you are a, a, a realist and you talk a lot about having kids. And what I was trying to say before I took that tangent was just that a lot of people are pressuring me to have kids uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of those people have kids already and they're just like, it's the best thing you're ever going to do. And, and I, and, and f- fine. Maybe it's the best thing they've done. No, and I get they want to be miserable with but you. That's just it. That's what my <laughs> suspicion is. This be- is what I want to fucking talk to you about. <laughs> that's not because, true. That's not because true. Because I, I feel like you were one of the first times I heard someone that's really realistically <laughs> break the shit down of what the real <laughs> life is like no. and what annoys you and how you used to no. be judgy. You're not judgy anymore. I really want you to break down the reality <laughs> of parenthood so at least we can have the fucking choice to know what we're really stepping into because I am sick of the fucking trailer of it's the best thing you'll ever do and they put on the Why performance they, they put on the performance of how it's the most amazing thing ever and i'm sure it is it's not. i'm not dissing parenthood but Look, i also i yeah. would like to know the fucking <laughs> nitty gritty of what i would be getting myself into because babies are not just for christmas they're not no. they're just birthdays yeah like look it is i it took me so long to have these babies uh, uh, not them. but now i understand why people don't want kids because i'm like oh it's a it's not even full-time it's beyond full-time mm-hmm. um, it's overtime and it, it is beyond overtime and plus it changes everything and obviously you know i feel whole but i am also exhausted in a way that I've never been exhausted before and also anxious because I'm just like, oh, I thought the worry was going to end when they were here. But no, it's like, I worry about how people are going to treat them, how they're going to treat themselves, how they're going to deal with it when I'm not around. How am I going to deal with it with it when I am around? Also, there's so many different relationships that have just happened. My relationship has changed with my husband. Um, we don't have a lot of time for each, each other. So the time that we do have, we have to make it count. But a lot of times we're tired in those times. It's also quarantine. I have a relationship with these two kids. They have a relationship with me. I have a relationship with them individually as they do with their, with their father. That's a lot of shit that no one ever tells you. Also, it's not about you anymore. It doesn't even matter if it was your body that made them. It doesn't even matter 
if they're related to you or not, if you adopted them. Okay. They're your responsibility, whole responsibility forever and ever and all of time. You have to teach them all the things. And if you're in your forties like me, and now you realize what sciatica is like, huh? What are the biggest surprises about motherhood? Like the biggest things that, that I, I just, I want to warn my community out there. Okay. We need warnings. You think you're going to be bad at it all the time. Okay. Like, like you're like, when do I start enjoying this? But then <laughs> you're just, you just feel like you're bad at it all the time. And then people make you feel like you're bad at it all the time. Which people? Then, like people like mummy shaming websites or yes. just other moms? Mommy shaming situations. Um, in person or online? I don't really do in person anymore. That's fair. <laughs> you know, because of, um, you know, the COVID of it all. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm going to, I just enrolled these kids into daycare. And so that'll be interesting because now we're sort of going public with our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how the public takes us. But I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like we'll see. You know, they're two and they still share clothes. I don't know. That'll still happen for a long time. Um, what are some other surprises? What are some other? Th- what's like you're you're reporting back for us, okay, Michelle? For those of us <laughs> who want to know, you've gone to the other side. What do you know? What do you fucking know? I know that it's definitely made me, it, it's made me appreciate not just my parents, but all people, especially, especially people who have like left their kids. Listen, give me a minute to stay and take care of this thing that needs you all the time. This beautiful being is like, where's our trophy? But I also understand why people are like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And you have to be a strong-willed person to just sort of like sit through the tears, the uh, I hate you, the I just spent my last dollar on you so you could eat and still say, I love you no matter what. That's, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart at all. And it feels... and. If you have that desire that, you know, that deep down love to definitely devote yourself, sort of, yes, then yes. Um, if you're overthinking it and thinking like, I don't know if I can do that. How am I going to do that? Does that? And you're like more pragmatic, then you're probably going to be really good at it too, because no one even thinks that far ahead. They're just like, I want to see my face in someone else's face. <laughs> and just, you know, or I want to do a gender reveal party that's a burning down California. Can we just stop? Um, <laughs> that was so but, fucking stupid when it happened. Yeah, I just, I really was able to see my parents as people and not just like, you know, these devotees. Yeah. Because that's what we all think. We're like, well, you're supposed to be devoted to me because because they are to an extent, but they're also human beings who had whole lives and whole personalities and whole traumas of their own. And they had to kind From of put it- a whole different generation. Yeah, you have to kind of, if, if you can even, you pause it to kind of raise the kids. And then some people can't pause it. Most people can't pause it. And then it bleeds out onto the kids and the kids grow up and they get fucking mad at you because you bled all over them uh, with all your shit. Uh, and so yes. it's, it's complicated and it's hard. It is complicated. And, it's, and also like- the generational situation of it all, like just even to have Caribbean parents who and their parents were her and their parents were her. And it's like, you know, 
from slavery, you come carrying secrets. You can't let people know shit. You can't let people know you can read or write. You can't let, and those, and that behavior has been passed down for so long. Well, you just have to look right. You have to straighten your hair and pass. You have to be polite. You have to be educated. You have to be better than everybody else. You have to, you have to, don't share. And so, you know, just even living in this time, you know, historically, what that even means for everybody, that we're starting to chip away, hopefully, at least have this conversation without, you know, being canceled or whatever the fuck. And not even like by Twitter, just like by our family, right? Yeah. This is so much fun. I feel like this is my big night out. This is so... Look, it sounds fucking hard and it sounds like it's hard on a relationship and it sounds like it's hard on your body and it's hard on just because you're not sleeping, whether or not you carried the children or not. Like it's just <laughs> relentless, but you're also very happy and very in love. Yeah. With and I your feel kids. like a fucking warrior. Yeah. Like I could do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I take care of two two year olds. Fucking bring it. Yeah. You know, I loved listening to you describe what you thought motherhood was going to be like what that you thought you would go to like the Maldives with them and you would write while they were napping on the beach or some shit yes and what is the reality (laughs) the reality is girl the reality is like can we get from like that room to that room without someone crying can I ever have a clean floor never again no not for a good while it doesn't matter how much you clean it up um, that's the reality, but it's still like, I don't know. I'm realizing that I might thrive in chaos because this is what I, this is, this is all I've wanted. I think a lot of women do. And I think that it definitely helps the fact that you wanted it for so long. It helps you be less resentful of like, I fucking did everything to make this happen. So what is the thing that you most want <laughs> mothers out there to know? You know, being someone who yourself has felt the shame or felt the fear, yeah. what is it out there that you want we we know what you want people who aren't mothers or who aren't mothers yet to know, which is that it isn't just a fucking fairy tale and you really need to yeah. be prepared and it's okay to not want it or not be able to do it. And, and you know what I love to hear, yeah. especially from like whatever friend mom I'm texting about vegetables or ty- kiss Tylenol is that you're doing a great job. You're doing a fucking great job. And my message is always, you are enough. Like you are always enough. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not easy. You know, you think you're taking the easy way out because you're giving them pasta or whatever it is, or, you know, send them away to school or whatever it is. It's just like, you're doing a great job. Don't beat yourself up. You're doing good. And do you believe that about yourself? Yeah. Do you still have days where you're just like, I'm fucking this up? Yeah. Every day. Every day. It could be something so simple as should I have the TV on right now or should I be talking to them? But I'm like, no, we are tired of each other. Let's take a break. It's been a whole fucking day. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, should I be doing more alphabet situations with them? And I'm like, here's a book with the alphabets in them. <laughs> Figure it I'm out. Like, I just Figure it out. Kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hi, Bubs. Is that one of the babies? Who's this? It is. This is Hazelnut. Well, look, I want to let you get back to your family. Thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. Michelle, will you please tell me, what do you weigh? Um, 
I weigh my friendships, my chosen family. I weigh um, my children and my kindness and um, God, this is so difficult. And um, I weigh my, uh, oh, don't put that in your mouth. Thank you. My stand up. In my book. She's talking to her um, daughter, not me, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just, I don't know. Is there a word for just really hoping that I've brought joy to people? Is there a word for that? Because I want to weigh that too. Yeah. Um, I weigh my integrity. I'm a good person. Yeah, I'm a bitch, but I'm also a good person. And you can be those two things at the same time. Yeah. Thank you, bubs. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, I was talking to my daughter, not you, but also thank you, Bob. Uh, so nice to meet you. Um, jam, jam. I'm so happy that you weigh so many wonderful things. And I'm so happy that you found uh, a positive but exhausting ending to your surrogacy journey. And I, uh, I'm i so glad you didn't listen to that stupid fucking teacher who, um, you took the headphone out of your daughter's ear, right? When I said that. Oh, it doesn't fucking matter. Okay. I'm her fucking mother. <laughs> give, give me a fucking okay. break. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't listen to that teacher who told you that you were too fat to be in front of the camera because you're in front of all of the cameras and you are extraordinary in front of all of them. You dazzled me the first time I saw you and I'm so excited to see what you go on to do next. I agree. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> Say thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. Okay, I'm going to go cry now. No big deal. Okay, you go crawl on the floor and just have a little moment. I hope your back Uh, feels better. Loads of love. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson and the beautiful music that you're hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. I really appreciate it and it amps me up to bring on better and better guests. Lastly, at I Weigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iweighpodcast at gmail.com. It's not in pounds and kilos, so please don't send that. It's all about your just, you, you know, you've been on the Instagram anyway. And now we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners. way, despite still torturing myself on the scale sometimes, spreading a message to the younger generation of girls that I teach. I tell them we are amazing and unstoppable and should never be ashamed of the things that we've had to go through. And sometimes I tell them to believe that the things that my inner voice won't even bloody tell me. But I'm getting there. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.